Hi, this is Mark from M3 Networks. Today's episode of TechSess is going to be a charity update talking to Joanna High, who is the Assistant Kennel Manager from PADS, which is the Perthshire Abandoned Dog Society. They are our Q4 charity partner who we are raising funds for from our customer satisfaction. I'm delighted to be joined by Joanna having a chat about what they do and find a little bit more about how they have to raise funds to help support the work that they do. Welcome to TechSess, the show that provides the information you need to know so that technology can help your business to be more successful. So Joe, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to join me today and discuss you know, a bit about yourself and a bit about kind of pads and what you guys do. So maybe start off by telling me a little bit about kind of yourself and how and why especially you, know, you decided to come and work with pads. I'm very fortunate that my mother um, has worked here for 29 years. So I was eight when my mum started working here and I was dragged along every school holiday and I fell in love with it. At one point, my mum had six dogs in the house. It was just dogs, dogs, dogs for us. And when I was at school, I'd said that I wanted to come do this and my dad had sort of said, oh no, you know, you need to go and try and go a bit further in life than, than just working with dogs. So I went off to university and hated it and I worked in a couple of offices and logistics and things, which I loved. But I kept coming back here to help out. And then my mum fell and broke her arm. So I came to volunteer. And at that point, the manager who'd been here for quite a long time had left. So they were advertising for the post. So I applied for it and didn't get it, actually. But the person who did get it didn't really work out. So they contacted me and asked if I was if I was still interested. And I've been here now eight years uh, full time. I live in the manager's house on site. And my mum is still here on a part-time capacity. But yeah, I love it. It's in the blood. It's all I know. What does PADS actually do? What is the main you know, function of the organisation? And maybe if you can give us some background to kind of how it started or why it started and, you know, some of the history there. We've been here at Retiviet for uh, 31 years. The kennels itself opened in 1990. It was originally Perth, for anyone from Perth in the 1980s, they'll remember there was a pound, very much like you've seen in all the films, um, Lady and the Tramp and all that, a pound where all the stray dogs were collected. They were kept for seven days and if nobody came for them, they were put to sleep. The kennels were pretty grim. There was a guy went in once a day and fed them and hosed them out. And a woman called Sylvia Hales had her own dog had disappeared off and someone had picked them up and it, it ended up in the pound. And when she'd gone to collect her dog, she was so upset at the conditions that the dogs were in that she had lived on a farm just up the road from here. And Sylvia spoke to her husband and they converted a couple of the steadings into kennels so that after seven days she could bring some dogs to live on her farm and she would rehome them. At that time it was called Perth Dog Aid um, and a wonderful, wonderful collection of people all got together and started fundraising because they wanted somewhere better for the dogs to be than the council pound. In the late 80s, they bought this ground here at Fertivia. It was the old railway station, which was not much for development for people. So I think they got quite a good deal on it. And the, a wonderful man called Billy Geddes um, nearly lost his own building company to, um, trying to get this place finished. It opened in 1990. And fortunately, the ladies that had all sort of come together managed to convince Perth and Kinross Council to close the pound on Glen Air Road and to give Pads the contract with the council to house the stray dogs. And then after seven days, they become pads dogs. So that was how it went. So in 1990, we officially opened and we have rehomed 8,000 bus dogs in that 30 years. Wow. I mean, I've always been local myself. I kind of always kind of just 
been aware of pads and like, I mean, up until a few years ago, I didn't even really know where you guys were based until mm-hmm. I moved kind of to just outside of Perth and, you know, I cycle and I cycle past you guys and sometimes see people walking dogs around about your place. And I was like, oh, that's, that's where pads are based. I just, I just didn't know, but I always knew of you. So it's really interesting to kind of learn more about the kind of the, the backstory and to you know how it became about. I have been having a look on your website, obviously, and kind of looking at some of the dogs that you have looking to be rehomed just now. So tell us about some of the dogs that you have right now that are looking to be rehomed. We are very fortunate, actually, that we have very dedicated, loyal kind of pads adopters that will take um, dogs that come in. They've always had pads dogs and they want a pads dog. But sadly, there's dogs that are quite challenging. So if you've been on the website just now, you will have seen we've got a little poem called Odie. Odie, uh, Pomeranian, I should say, for those that aren't familiar. Um, it's a small, kind of fluffy breed. They can be quite high maintenance. We've had him for a little while. I don't know the true extent of his past life. He did come by a, um, a friend of the owner. I don't think he's been handled an awful lot. So he doesn't like to be touched. He doesn't really like to be groomed. He doesn't like to come in when he's been outside in the yard. We've had him now a couple of months and, and we are working really hard with him and I managed to take him to my groomer, my very trusted groomer last week, um, who grooms my own dogs and she went there for a wee pamper session and he was incredibly brave and he started walking with new dog walkers. So the only time he bites us now is when he's getting his harness off <laughs> because that means he's going back in his kennel. <laughs> so we're, we're seeing steady improvement but we're trying to find somebody that is going to be able to work with that and understand that he's not being naughty and he doesn't need punished for that he's doing it because he's frightened so he'll be waiting a little a little while for someone that we that's maybe had experience with dogs that can be like that it's really interesting that you're not just giving these dogs somewhere to stay temporarily until they rehome you're actually actively working to try and sort any like behavioural issues or, you know, making them more fit to go to be rehomed with, with people, right? It's not just a hotel for dogs for a while, is it? No, no. And, you know, there's some things that we can't fix, if you like. You know, there's some things that I would never proclaim to be able to fully rehabilitate a dog. You know, you know, dog reactivity or, or traffic chasing and or dealing with strangers, that's a very difficult, that's a, an ongoing thing. And so we will try, if we can get the dogs to a point with another dog that we have just now on our website, Nala, is a Rottweiler cross Deerhound, cross Mastiff. And yeah, she's beautiful. She's absolutely gorgeous. If big slobbery dogs are your thing. But she's been with us since July. And for the first six weeks, I was the only person that could touch her. So on my days off, I would have to come up and let her out and in because she just wouldn't let anyone else near her. So we still have her. We never advertised her for rehoming until um, a few weeks ago because it was important for us to build up trust with her. And for me, the one that could mainly handle her to see how she would cope in the traffic, you know, she goes out for a walk and go to the vet. And so we've built up all these things. I mean, we'll never, we can't proclaim to be able to fix her fear of strangers. We can hopefully rehome her in a place where she's not going to you know I wouldn't put her in the town centre for example where she's never going to get a break from people she finds it too overwhelming but I can try and introduce her to new people I can try and make take the fear away or you know but there's some things we can't fix but we do try you know to try and get them to a point where life isn't so scary you know where they can actually manage because we're here we're quite safe in a bubble dogs are safe here you know we we control who speaks to them we control kind of who gets near them to see them to upset them to other dogs they get to interact with we we kind of we can manage all that but in the real world people can be a bit foolish and 
the line I hate the most is, oh, I'm great with dogs. You know, that line just paralyzes me with fear because what that basically means is I have no respect for dogs. You know, I'm great with dogs means I will force myself on a dog whether they want to be around me or not. And that is when people get bitten and that's when dogs are labelled as dangerous. When actually they aren't dangerous, they're frightened and you've backed them into a corner and they felt they've had no choice. So I can do things like that for them here where I can try and help them understand that not everybody's out to hurt them. But then when you put them out in the real world, you need to be sure that the person you're rehoming them to can say, don't touch my dog. You know, it could be stroppy enough to say, don't touch my dog. She doesn't like strangers. And say also helps them in a place where they're not exposed to people like that. The Texas 10. So, Joe, I'm going to just run through the Texas 10 uh, questions with yourself. Try and just answer these just as quickly, as honestly as you can. I always say to people, try not to think about them too much. Although some of these answers have actually gone uh, pretty deep with some people. <laughs> I never intended it to be like that. So here we go. If you had a hundred million pounds to spend, what would you spend it on? Buy a house. I'd build, I'd build my own house. I'd have a steading with like all the animals I could possibly have. I'd be like Noah. It's <laughs> a good, good answer. Clear answer. Some people quite actually struggle with that question, to be fair. What is one of the most important things that you've learned in your life so far? Trust your gut. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I always tend to go with my gut instinct and things as well. Uh, here's a slightly controversial one which splits people is, does pineapple belong on pizza? No, ugh, yuck. No, nothing yellow on pizza. It's no sweet <laughs> corn either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. 100% agreed. If you're walking out on stage or you're walking out for an event or whatever, what would your walk out song be? What's your theme music? Probably something by the Proclaimers. Going patriotic, sticking with the Scottish band. Yeah, no, I'm a big Proclaimers fan. Yeah, definitely. Something by the Proclaimers. There's probably something from their back catalogue. I don't, 500 Miles is the only song I'm not that keen on. Have you seen them live before? Yes, three or four times. Great, loved it. I've seen them once live in Dundee many years ago. If you could have dinner with three people, either dead or alive, who would you choose? Freddie Mercury, Beyonce. And, oh, Kylie, I don't know. I can't think. I can't think of someone else. If you could have any superhero power, what would it be? I'd like to be strong. I don't know who's got that. Superman, maybe? So something like Hulk. Yeah. That's probably so you can hang on to all those like strong dogs that you have to walk. And here's a question, actually, which I thought would be an easy answer for people who actually take quite a long time to actually think about this one is, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? Oh, I think one horse-sized duck. Horses are vicious. You wouldn't want a hundred of them. Most people, I think, have gone for the the hundred duck-sized horses on the basis that they think that tiny little horses would be quite cute. And actually, you can probably, they won't probably hurt you as much. But can you imagine like a a duck the size of a horse? Would that be terrifying? <laughs> right? I mean, it would, it would, I don't know. It'd weigh a lot, and it'd have a massive beak. Imagine how big its feet would be. I think a horse-sized duck is a harder fight. <laughs> as long as you get them upside down, birds are rendered unconscious when you knock them upside down. Just throw a big loaf of bread at it and run away, you'll be fine. What piece of advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? Boys are mean, and if you are unsure about how they feel, then it means that they don't like you and they're leading you along. If they do like you, you'll know. I had my heart broken too many times, fall in love with guys that just didn't feel the same way about me, so... I would hate to go through that again. If you had a time machine, um, would you rather travel to the past or to the future? 
I'd rather go back and see things maybe a hundred years ago. As long as it didn't change anything, I'd like to go back and see how it was maybe for for my grandma and my granddad when they were young. Yeah, I think most people have said go to the past, I think, because I think people don't really want to know what the future holds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Ignorance is bliss. And the final question that we have, actually, is that, well, this is the, this is called the Texas podcast, right? And so the final question I ask people is, what does Texas look like to you in your business? Where to start? <laughs> well, obviously, we rely a lot more on internet and, and social media and things than we ever have done before. And our broadband is painfully slow. We are only three, there's only three properties this side of the railway line. So we are not a priority for getting fibre or anything. So we're likely to have poor broadband forever. And... Our computer is a reconditioned machine, which is a little bit old and a little bit dated. And yeah, we just, we need it. What I'd like to do is be able to put all my uh, files and things online. So all my, like, so I could have a, a file for each dog that comes in. We're still using paper journals to record all our dogs as they come in. But with the computer being so slow and the broadband being so slow, it would be a complete headache to try and to put it all onto some kind of database uh, and then I could pub it on a sort of cloud that my treasurer, who lives an hour away, could actually access and things. But at the moment, it's just not possible. So, yeah, lots. I'd love to do lots to upgrade our tech here at Pads, but there's always something else needing money spent on it. The Texas 10. So I, I was just going to ask, Joe, I mean, what is the rehoming process that you have? So, I mean, it's not just to come along, pick a dog and go home, right? There's a lot more to it than that. COVID obviously forced us to make a few changes and changes that we're now going to adopt going forward. So for years and years, we used to open the doors between one and three, seven days a week, and anyone could walk in and anyone could go and look at the dogs. And we would often find that people would want a dog based purely on its looks. All of us have had to phone the police at some point because someone has got so angsty about wanting a specific dog and we won't let them have it which sounds really dramatic but you know if you're so frightened of someone that you have to phone the police to get them to leave they're probably not the person that should be adopting a dog in the first place so because of covid we didn't rehome it's the first part of it but we decided what we would do is we would take adoption application forms nowadays more of the dogs that come in have come from homes so 30 years ago 80 percent of the dogs would come in with no history and now 80% of the dogs come from their owners, you know, and we and we try and pride ourselves on not making people feel ashamed about having to give their dogs up. You know, we want them to be honest with us. We want them to know that we want them to tell us as much about the dog as possible so that we can find the best home for that dog. By introducing the adoption application form, we have one side of it. The form basically is asking people to tell us about them. So where they live, you know, do they have their own private garden where the dog can go in and out of the house without somebody else being able to touch them or do they have children in the house do they leave the dog for hours while they're out working they can tell us all the sort of things that they can offer a dog and then on the other side we invite them to tell us what kind of dog they are looking for and what they are prepared to manage you know if they've got young children they need a dog that's used to children and for that it gave us a lot more basically getting two bits of paper you know one bit of paper that's telling us you know the dog's likes and dislikes and then an adoption application form that's telling us what the person's likes and dislikes and you become a bit of a matchmaker and it's been really great actually it's been really really great and sometimes you phone somebody and say look I've got this dog I know you said you wanted a medium dog and it's maybe more of a larger dog but it ticks every other box and folk go oh actually yeah I'd love to meet them 
So it's it's been really great. So we've done a, a bit more like that rather than people just like it used to be people just walking in and going, oh, I want that one. We've got this. People have to sort of declare what they can offer the dog first, because when they would come in, you'd say, oh, look, this dog doesn't like being left alone. And they'd say, oh, well, I'm only out five hours. Like that. I don't think you're listening to me here. The dog doesn't like to be left alone. Five hours in that dog's world is massive, you know. One woman here, we had a husky that was destructive and a woman wanted her. And my colleague said, look, she's here because she was in a flat and she was freaking out. Huskies are renowned for being destructive. She started screaming at my colleague and just said, well, do you, are you trying to tell me that this dog is better in your kennels than in my house? And I'm afraid the answer is yes, because at least in the kennels, she's safe. She's not got electrical sockets she can hurt herself on. She's not got windows that people can peer in at her. She's not got the postie coming to the door. And she can wait here another couple of weeks until we find a home that is more appropriate. So there's a lot of layers to it. You know, it's about, first and foremost, it's about the dog. It's about the dog and what the dog needs. And if you can't provide what that dog needs, then it's unfair to put that dog in that environment. The dog agrees with you in the background. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously we are donating our customer feedback to you guys for quarter four, you know, this year. Maybe kind of give us a kind of bit overview in terms of how is PADS funded? How are you guys able to carry on doing what you do? You know, why do you need people to donate? And what is the money kind of obviously used for, apart from the obvious things that people would be able to guess themselves? We are so completely independent. So thank you for, for doing this for us because this is massive. We take the dogs from Personal Kennels Council. So if a dog is found straying, it will come here. Obviously, if the owner comes for it, that's that's fine. After seven days, if the owner doesn't come for it, we will bill the council uh, £70. So they will pay £10 per day for that dog to be here for the seven days as required by law. And then the dog is ours. And that is all of the funding that we receive. That's it. So we are very fortunate. Our vets do not charge us for consultation fees, but that obviously meds and stuff are very expensive. So everything that we have and all the money that we have is all donations. I mean, it's just, it's the only thing that can keep us going. Um, And anyone with pets will agree that vet prices, medication, it's just phenomenal. Now utility bills are rising all the time. So we need to keep the kennels especially at this time of year so the the money comes from wonderful initiatives like you're doing we have donation bins so in a couple of local shops in Perth they have a bin where you can put you can either buy stuff in their store and put it in the donation point like food or toys or blankets and things people will pop in their stuff that maybe they bought for a dog that's passed away or the dog the the food didn't agree with them or something so food has helped us that way but um, all the the money comes from just fundraising a lot of legacies but obviously that's going to change now as well because my generation certainly don't have the savings that generations of old had you know that that they're leaving fairly substantial amounts of money in their wills and I don't think people of, of certainly my age in their 30s quite are got the same um, attitude towards savings and things so as we go forward you know there is a concern that the legacies that have kept us going all these years might start to dwindle so fundraising initiatives like this we have our own dog show that we do in the summer that's obviously we've had lost the last two years lots of people do little bits of events for us so yeah that all our money is fundraised money we just don't have any other kind of way of getting money through the banks so as much as you have to uh, obviously spend time and you know, obviously caring for all the dogs that you have 
and obviously running it as a business, you, you know, worry about, you know, how you guys actually raising funds to kind of keep everything going along as well. So it's a lot of things to consider there. So the only final question I have for you, Joe, is and what is the best way for anyone listening to contact PADS, whether it's anyone who might want to donate to you guys or maybe it is someone who is considering like rehoming a dog. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Emails and social media. They say the phone does ring all day. <laughs> so we don't often get to answer. We don't, we don't have the luxury of a receptionist. So it's just we have two members of staff on all every day and it's if we're near the phone that we can get to it so um, we have a website padsdogrescue.com and we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram Pads Kennels if anyone wants to look us up Awesome okay well thanks very much for your time Joe I'm sure people will find this quite interesting as well or understanding what you guys do I'm sure like me there's a lot of people in the local area that have heard of Pads or are aware of Pads but maybe didn't quite understand exactly what you guys do and especially the background in terms of how PADS was set up and obviously how you're funded and things. So, so thanks very much for your time. We look forward to uh, presenting you with our donation at the end of the year. Oh, well, thanks again. It's just so lovely to be um, you know, put forward for this and uh, to the lady that, that put us forward. We, we are very, very grateful. Um, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch up again, hopefully. So there you have it. That was Joe from PADS, the Perpshire Abandoned Dog Society given us some great insight into the work they've been doing for quite a number of years now in the local area. Fantastic service, I'm sure you'll agree. And we're doing everything we can to donate as much money raised from our customer satisfaction feedback that we receive every day from our closed tickets on our IT support help desk. So if you want to get in touch with PADS, you can look them up on social media, like Joe says, or if you want to visit their website, it is padsdogrescue.com. And you'll find all the contact details there, as well as links to make a donation directly to them via the website. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Texas, and we'll see you next time. Texas is an M3 Networks podcast. Find out more at m3networks.co.uk.